you have a Bible, we'll be in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 says, One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his full attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to beg by the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Will you pray with me? Gracious, holy God. I thank you for the story of song and the work that you did in Judson's life that we just heard about and how it affected Billy Graham's life and the lives of so many. I think about the 76 or more students, little children coming to VBS and the potential, God, for your power and your presence to be active in their life. And now, God, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to see and hear, God, and respond to what your spirit and your word is saying to us. Jesus, we need you to teach us. God, we always, always settle for something less unless we surrender to something greater. Amen. Well, if we haven't met before, I'm Rob, and I'm glad you're here. And today, we're going to, in a few minutes, we're going to confirm a young person's faith, and I'm very excited about that. And I wanted us to take a few minutes and think about this idea of surrender and the struggle of it. We heard it in Judson's story, how he struggled with surrendering to being an artist and striving for that, or going into this work in the power of the name of Jesus in these church revivals, and what it meant to surrender to that. In Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John walk under the temple courts, and they meet this man who's never walked a day in his life. And he looks at them, and he is expecting money from them. He's begging at the best gate in the temple. Here's Here's a picture of a reconstruction of the temple. And this gate right down in the front and center is the temple gate called Beautiful. Now, why is that important? Because there are side entrances. This is the main entrance. This is the one that everyone went to. I'm sure that there are places in your life, maybe it's downtown Minneapolis, maybe it's another big city, but places where you've seen people beg before. I can picture specific intersections in Minneapolis that As soon as I drive there, I know there will be someone there because they are great spots. This is a great spot 
and he's got it, and everyone that goes into the temple will pass by him that goes through that gate. And so in his mind, he's looking for money. That's what he's expecting. And if Peter and John would have just handed him money, I, I, just, I offer to you that they would have met his expectation. Except Peter and John, they'd been with Jesus. Because of their faith in the name of Jesus, they expected something so much greater than just handing the guy money. Now, I don't know if Peter and John knew what was going to happen or not, but when they took his hand and they picked this guy up, his feet became strong. It said he's completely healed. He walks into the temple, which as a crippled person, he would have never gotten to go through that gate. Crippled people were only allowed in these side things that you see on the outside of the temple. It's called the court of the Gentiles. It's where anyone could come. But going up the, you can't see it in this picture, but there's a few steps here. Going up to that point, you had to be an Israelite and you couldn't be crippled to go inside. Because if you were crippled, then people thought that there was some curse or some sin that either you or your parents had done. This is the first time that this guy has gotten to go in the temple. It echoes uh, a prophecy Isaiah said that Isaiah said that there would be lame that would that would walk and praise God in his temple. There would be blind that would see and hear what Isaiah had prophesied 700 years before actually is happening. The crowds recognize this guy as well as the guy who sat outside, and they're praising God. They immediately look to Peter and John. Maybe they think that. You know, he is their new hero. He is someone that they can put their hope in. Maybe that's what they're expecting, but Peter quickly deflects all the attention to Jesus. In fact, it continues after the reading we read where Peter says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Uh, It would surprise me. (laughs) Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? It's by faith in the name of Jesus, the man that you now see and know was made strong. It's the name of Jesus and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. I think that's why when Peter grabs his hand and his ankles become strong, that's what's going on. They wanted to know what it meant to have faith in the name of Jesus. It got the attention of the religious leaders, mind you, the same religious leaders that put Jesus to trial, the same religious leaders that are expecting that the name of Jesus is now done. They are are finished hearing about that. And so when they hear what's happened, they immediately send the police to arrest John and Peter and lock them in jail for the night because they're not going to have a trial at night. They're not doing a repeat of that fiasco. So in the morning, they take Peter and John before their highest supreme court, the Sanhedrin. That meets inside the temple proper, even further into the temple, and so people are watching and listening to them being brought before this crowd. And in Acts 4-7, it says that they demand to know by whose power or name have you done this? In other words, who gave you the authority to do good? We don't think much about that question. As Americans, we don't need authority to do good, usually. People 
go give food, people raise money, people do coin wars with little kids and buy backpacks, and they're like, yay, you got, did good. No one thinks about authority, but that's what was going on here. Who gave you the authority to do this? I have missionary friends. Uh, I have missionary friends. There you go. I also have people in restoration that are military service people. And when I hear their stories about being overseas, I'm particularly intrigued by the ones where they go into countries where it's incredibly hard to do good. In other words, the government regulates every little activity. They, the, my missionary friends tell me that they have to get jobs or apply for licenses for businesses because the government is totally fine with them selling coffee or selling food, but they are not fine with them giving food to the poor or sharing good news with hurting people. There is not a license to do good in those places. And that's part of what was going on here. This high court didn't care who was healed or how they were healed. What they cared about was authority. Who gave you this authority to do it? And Peter says in Acts 4, 8, mind you, filled with the Holy Spirit, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame, Jesus was always brought into account on an act of kindness. But if we're being brought into an account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, not only you, the highest court of Israel, the one who worked to put Jesus to death to two fishermen who are standing before them, know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus, and then he quotes uh, Psalm 118, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, who has become the cornerstone. Because salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The rulers go on and, and note that they looked at Peter and John, who were ordinary fishermen, and they marveled at their courage because they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Jesus was their authority to do such good because Jesus wasn't with them anymore. Or was he? When Jesus died and rose from the dead, he said, I will be with you always as you go and do my work, baptizing those in the name of Jesus, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then he ascends to heaven and sends the Holy Spirit. Just maybe when Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, or for that matter, when anyone is filled with the Spirit, not only is Jesus with them, but they have his authority to act in his name. There is no higher authority. Jesus and his name are utterly unique. Mohammed is not an equal with Jesus. Buddha, not an equal with Jesus. Confucius said some wise things, not an equal with Jesus. As G Christianity as a religion should be respectful to other religions, but Christianity as a relationship with Jesus is ultimate. He's the only one. 
that claimed to be God gave his life and then picked it back up again. That's where the authority is. And, and the entire story, go ahead and read chapters three and four of Acts, and I think you'll see that all of it centers around the name of Jesus. He's the first and the last. He's the ultimate one. And, and I have to remind myself of this. I'm not his equal. And you're not either. We can't do anything to save ourselves. We can't behave our way there. We can't do religious good things to get our way there. Only in the name of Jesus are we saved. See, when Peter and John heal this crippled man and bring him into the temple, they demonstrate the healing and the wholeness and the salvation that happens in Jesus. They experienced salvation. When the layman jumps in and walks and runs into the temple, he experiences salvation. Have you experienced salvation? Salvation is healing. Salvation is wholeness. It's bringing hope into the world. It's restoring what's broken in the world. It happened then, and it still happens. Katie's going to get up, and she's going to share her faith statement and part of her testimony. And when, listen for when she talks about the reservation. You're going to talk about the reservation still? Yes? Okay. Because in it, she experiences salvation. See, salvation isn't just going to heaven when we die. Salvation is any moment when we're with Jesus, any moment where we act in the authority of his name, when we heal in his name, when we experience healing in his name, when we share good news in his name, when we hear good news in his name, all of that is salvation. When you can be who God created you to be with a group of people who know you, all of you, and love you anyway, you are experiencing Salvation. When you offer a talent or a gift to God and you see supernatural results, you're experiencing salvation. This is what it means that there is salvation in no one else. It's only in Jesus that we experience salvation. So as we confirm someone's faith in that spirit, I just want to invite you to reflect on a couple of questions. And the first is, where are you at with the name of Jesus? Have you surrendered to the name of Jesus? Are you striving to live your own life and to live for your name? Or have you surrendered to the one who will give you his name? Who will give you the authority to act in his name? It's the greatest name on earth. It's the one that can give us the healing that we so desperately need. And it's true for every person, every culture, every race, and everyone in the whole world. Which brings us to question number two. Where do you need healing? Where do you need Jesus to pick you up by the hand or someone who is authorized in his name to reach out their hand and for you to experience the fullness and the wholeness that only comes through the name of Jesus? Sometimes you can be healed instantaneously, and sometimes it takes 
A long time. But in the name of Jesus, there is freedom from addiction. There is freedom from destructive relationships. There is even freedom from poor choices. There's freedom in whatever you need. But will you allow the name of Jesus to intervene in your situation, to act and to move and to experience that healing? His name isn't a formula, but God, hear it, he is into fixing. He loves restoration. It's a good name for a church. He loves to take things that are broken and make them whole, to make them like new, to say, look at this masterpiece. You thought it was shattered, and no, I've saved it. And lastly, where do you need the authority of Jesus? The disciples were sometimes called apostles. Apostles is just a word that simply means sent one. And every time we are an apostle, then we're sent out to represent the name of Jesus. And we're not just sent to represent, we're sent to represent in his authority. We need to take it and act in it. Often for those who have no authority to speak for themselves. But when we do, we experience salvation. And that's, I contend, that's what our world needs. So Katie's going to get up and she's going to share her story after Derek explains what she's done to get there. But she's not just giving you a testimony. She's inviting you into how she's experienced salvation. And we get to pray for her that through her, so many more would experience salvation. When you and I, when we act in the authority of Jesus, holy and humbly, the world that so desperately needs it experiences salvation. You pray with me? Holy God and heavenly loving Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this uh, simple yet profound act that changed the world. And Jesus, if we think we haven't experienced salvation in your name, then we haven't met you. Because when the world truly meets you and when they truly expect you, accept you, their lives are transformed. That's what we want, God. I pray for those here who need to say yes to you, who need to proclaim that your name is above every other name that in Jesus there is healing. And God, those that say it for the first time, I pray that they would feel it, that they would know it, that they would experience it. And I pray, God, for those in this room that need healing, and I know there's people in the room that need healing. I pray that they would let you intervene in their life, that your power, the power that conquered death, would rule in their lives, would permeate all those places of darkness, God. Even the things that through no fault of their own have happened, God, those are the things that we need healing from the most, and I pray that you would work in that. And I pray for those who just need to know that you have given them the authority, that we could be people who boldly, boldly go in your power and with your presence to a dark and hurting world. Teach us, God. We don't want to settle for something less. We want to surrender to the greatest name that is above all names. Amen.
Well, hello, everyone. My name is Derek Wassell. I'm the Students Director here at Restoration. And if you haven't heard, today is Confirmation Celebration Sunday. And this year, we have one student being confirmed. Her name is Katie Sparin. And Katie, she actually began her confirmation experience here two years ago. Another name that we've used for the confirmation experience at Restoration is the journey. This is because students journey through the Bible, its histories, its stories, and they journey through what it means to believe and follow Jesus for their whole lives. Students met all throughout this past year, and our time together, it entailed some teaching time, some group discussions, some time for personal reflections, activities, and of course, snacks. Everybody loves snacks. And many people like donuts, but Katie lives for donuts. <laughs> to give you just a better sense of some of last year's activities, here are just a few highlights. There was this one night where we used Jenga and thinking about foundations and how solid structures, they need a good base. Otherwise, everything above the foundation will collapse. Similarly, our relationship with God is our life foundation. Next, we went through the story of creation, and we used these pipe cleaners to craft our own little creations and get just a, a taste of what it means to be the maker of something as we learned that God is the maker of all things. Next, one activity involved putting on a blindfold and trusting your partner, your guide, to lead you safely through an intense obstacle course, <laughs> AKA some zigzag taped lines on the ground. We made it difficult though. Last, every few get togethers would be crazy whiteboard day. And we used the whole whiteboard at the ministry center to outline a story or an idea. And we filled the board with drawings, crazy drawings like Egyptian sand lizards, and Pharaoh with a mustache. <laughs> and we learned just how these stories of old truly speak God's living word into us today. Now, some of the work within confirmation entailed memorizing verses or reflective questions or activities, and overall just time to think together through what faith in Jesus Christ looked like then in Bible times, but also now in our daily lives. So confirmation, as an experience, it is meant to help students begin or intentionally continue a lifelong journey with Jesus as his follower. Now, in just a minute, we will hear from Katie as she shares her faith story and her creed, her belief statement, because faith is not ultimately about agreeing with the beliefs of your parents or your church, but it is rather about declaring your faith in Jesus and deciding to continue that lifelong journey with Jesus and stand as one of his followers within a faith community. So Katie, you can now come up here. We are so excited to hear your story for us. And without further ado, here's the mic. Yay. <laughs> Hi, people. If you were paying attention, you would have heard that my name is Katie. Oh, it's right there too, that's nice. <laughs> um, so 
I was raised and continue to be raised in a very strong Christian home, as I assume most of you have as well. My parents both love the Lord and live every day for him. But this isn't about my parents. This is about me stepping out of my parents' shadow and proclaiming that I believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Don't get me wrong, I love my parents. But this just isn't their, this isn't just their religion anymore, it's mine. So it's only fitting that I say what I believe in and how I came to believe it. June of 2014, after my sixth grade year, we left the church we had been attending my entire life. It was one of the hardest things I've had to go through. That place was my home away from home. You know, every hiding place, where the extra donuts are stashed. <laughs> you just, you know everything, and then you just move. It's, you can't really describe it. It's just a feeling that is awful. So that summer, we went churchless, and that fall, we started visiting churches. The first church we visited was Restoration Covenant Church in Apple Valley, Minnesota, just a few minutes away from our house. When we walked in, my brother and I both just felt it. It was like where God wanted us to be. It didn't feel like home, but it felt like it could be one day. It was just incredible. My brother and I loved it. We hadn't even talked to anyone yet. Okay, well, that's not actually true. Within the first two seconds of me walking in, this person comes up to me, says he's the pastor, gives me a two-minute-long handshake, and introduces himself as the king of awkward handshakes. <laughs> My brother and I loved it there. We didn't want to visit any other churches. This is where we wanted to be. We did try out a few other churches, however, because my parents and the rest of us just we didn't think it would be that easy to find a place where we felt like we could belong. It just didn't feel right or natural. It takes a while to move from one house to the next. It takes a while to pack everything up, move, and then unpack. We spent three months packing up over the summer, and then we moved and unpacked in a matter of an hour and a half at our local senior center. It just it didn't feel right in a way, like it should have taken longer. But in another way, it couldn't have been more perfect. At the beginning of this past June, right after school got out, I went on a missions trip to a Native American reservation um, with the church that I usually attend on Wednesday nights. I knew everybody's name and everybody knew mine, but we didn't actually know each other. It was a little unsettling at first, but my friend guilted me into it, so of course I couldn't back out. Um, I went on the trip not really having an opinion of kids, and I didn't really expect that to change at all. But within five minutes of being with them, I absolutely fell in love. These kids were genuine. They craved love instead of screen time. They just loved spending time with you. It was absolutely amazing. Within five minutes, God changed my life forever. We went to the res, not to preach God's love to the kids, but to show them God's love. That's pretty much all we did. If we got the chance to share the gospel with them, great. We had a lesson plan, but we were too busy loving on the kids to notice the time. And I think one major thing people don't really understand is the fact that loving on people really does show God's love. It's, every Christian is told that, but in our society today, it doesn't seem to work all that well. And I think that's okay because maybe those aren't the people that need God's love the most. 
I think the main reason God wanted me to go on that trip was not to show love, although it was very important and one of the reasons he had me go, but it was to experience love myself, to experience family. Um, it's, yeah, it's, when you spend so much time with these people in a place of spiritual warfare and battle, you, they become your family. I didn't know any of them. And I think that helped me understand the concept of family because even though none of them really knew me, they cared about me and they wanted to be there for me, I never really felt the love, bef the kind of love before that I had at the res. Everybody loves differently. There were 30 teenagers and young adults and 10 chaperones. And the time we spent together really opened my eyes to how people today can care about something besides their phones. They can care about feelings, they can care about God, they can care about love. And I know that I already knew that before I went because I know amazing people who care about God, feelings, and love. And I love them, but it's just the fact that you're in this place of spiritual warfare that's just so eye-opening. It's just... You treat them like they're your brother or your sister, and you can't hide God in them. It's like you can't hide the sun. It shines through everything that might be trying to stop it. There's a storm going on, but there's still light. Without light, we can't see. Without love, we can't love. Without God, we can't live and breathe freely. At this Native American reservation, I experienced God's peace for the first time. I was calm, and I left everything up to God. I let him come in and take over me, and it was the most amazing experience I have ever felt in my entire life. And it was because I was experiencing firsthand what God's love truly was, and it was overwhelming. It's, you can't describe peace. That was my version, but you just can't. It's so mind-blowing. Where I am today is on uneven ground. I'm at the water where Peter was at. Not in a mid-ocean trench, not on a mountain, the water. My faith is being tested, and I have to choose if I'm going to walk or if I'm going to sink. Will I focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, or will I focus on the waves, the ones that carried out the house built upon the sand? Will I choose to walk and see Jesus? Will I climb the mountain again, or will I look back at the dark trench I was in until I fall back down? Being a Christian is harder than it looks. Sometimes it's almost impossible to see Jesus there through the wind, the waves, and the rain, reaching out to us like a father who comforts his child. Because that's what we are. We are broken children of God, but he loves us for who we are, no matter where we are on our faith walk. We might be bouncing on the waves, we might be sinking, or Jesus might be reaching out to us, telling us to grab on. In my future, I know there's going to be pain, loss, heartache, misery. Those are just four of the waves that Satan will try to throw in my way. I'm going to sink. It's inevitable. I'm not even 15, and I've already sunk in multiple times. But God has always been right there to pull me through. That's how great our God is. He looks at sinners and doubters like us. He lifts up our eyes to look into his, and he says, I love you and I am right here for you to lean on because I'm strong enough for the both of us. He's always been there for me, and I know that he will never quit on me. He knows everything that happened, 
yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. He will use me for his master plan, and I have to learn to be a puppet and let him move my strings instead of me. I need to let him speak through me. I don't hold the reins. He does. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in hope, faith, and love, and I know that the greatest of these is love. God's love is the only thing that will bring us peace. I believe that all of us are like Peter, Jesus' closest friend. We strive to be closer with him, and God strives to be closer with us. Our feet will stumble as we walk upon the raging waters. We will sink. I believe we will rise on wings like eagles. I believe we will sit with Jesus in heaven at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, who judges both the living and the dead. We know we aren't worthy of him, but he loves us anyway for what we can give. I give my life to serve him. I believe that Jesus died for me, was buried for me, descended into hell for me, and rose again for me. I believe that I will always have people by my side to lift me up out of the trenches and onto the mountaintop. But when always isn't enough, God is. He will hear my every prayer, and he will hold me in his arms like a father who doesn't want to send his child off to college. For his is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Usually after that line, we say amen. I'm not going to. I still have so much more to learn and so much more room to grow. I'm never going to end that prayer. My beliefs will continue to grow and mature as I continue to grow and mature. It's a praise song that I'll be singing to God forever. I was raised and continue to be raised in a very strong Christian home with parents who love the Lord. This is my confirmation. This isn't just what they believe anymore. It's what I believe. This is me stepping out in my own faith and saying I know one thing for sure. God loves me. Thank you so much, Katie, for sharing your story and your creed with us. So at Restoration, we understand confirmation not as this kind of completion to Christianity or the end of our faith story, but rather it's a recognition marker of your desire and your intent to live your whole life for Jesus. And Katie, God has begun a good work within you, and he's continuing that good work this day and tomorrow and the next day. And as Paul writes in Philippians, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So next here, we're going to be asking Katie just a few questions as she declares her faith. And Katie, it is our prayer that these expressions of faith may reflect your, your understanding of God and his continuing work within your life. In restoration, as we hear these questions for Katie, I encourage you to let them stimulate reflection in your own faith as well. So Katie... Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, and do you desire, with the help of God's Holy Spirit, to continue as his disciple? If so, please answer, I do. I do. Do you believe with the church that the Bible is the inspired word of God, telling the story of God 
and God's people in the past and our present and your guide into the future? If so, please answer, I do. I do. As you continue your life, do you intend to keep worshiping God with his people, the church, keep using the Spirit's gifts to build Jesus' church, and keep reaching out in the love into the world around you? If so, answer, I do. I do. You passed. (laughs) 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 Katie, with your statement of faith and your affirmation of belief in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, we affirm you not as a child from a family of faith, but as a young adult who has chosen faith for yourself. Congratulations, Katie. We have a certificate of confirmation for you as well. It does have your name on it. Uh, as well as a Bible. So kind of a spoiler, what's wrapped up in the yellow wrapping there, but it is a Bible. That is our gift for you. And we pray that with this Bible, you would be blessed by reading God's word and that you would use it to bring hope to the world, as you are already doing. Friends and family of Katie, if you would actually come up at this time, um, Katie, I'll have you step down here just in front. So friends and family, yeah, you can just uh, come right now. Just come on down. Um, So you know what we're doing here. Lastly, we're going to be praying for Katie to bless her through this community's love, support, and encouragement. And we've actually invited Pastor Todd. There you are. Hi, Pastor Todd. Uh, One of Katie's former pastors to join Pastor Rob and I in praying over Katie. So if you would, oops, <laughs> if you would, just pray with us here. Lord God, I thank you so much for Katie's life and what you are doing within her. Lord, I thank you for this day of celebration. I thank you for all the friends and family that have just surrounded her with your love. And I ask that you just continue to build her up, fill her with so much courage that it overflows that every word she speaks, she speaks life. That every passion and talent you've, you've just granted her and who she is and who you made her to be, that those will just shine your light in this world. And that she just has full peace of heart and clarity in her mind. That she is following you daily and she loves you as you love her. Thank you so much, Lord, for Katie. And Father in heaven, how can our hearts not just well up with joy and gratitude for your good work in Katie? We give you thanks so much for her, the gift she is, the unique creation of your hand, and how you've placed her in in a God-fearing home with God-fearing grandparents and extended family as well as these dearly devoted parents who have brought her up in your word from day one. And we praise you for how you've guided her in her journey so far and in establishing her in your church, your body, your family. 
and here now bringing her to restoration and on this day of celebration where she is declaring and possessing for herself the faith you've given her. Our hearts now join with her in seeking your face and as she has declared her faith in you, Lord Jesus, establish her each day of her life, this day and each day forward. And as she seeks to be an ambassador, a representative of your kingdom in this world, grant her the power of your spirit and the authority of your name, Jesus, to be that light and to show and declare your gospel to the people that you send her to as an apostle, a sent one. And in all of these things, may she never lose the precious knowledge and secure reality that she is your daughter, Father, that you love her dearly, that you take great joy over her. So keep her, send her, bless her, and we bless your name on this day of celebration. In Christ's name. Father God, and as Katie has this crowd of people around her, we're reminded in Hebrews that we are surrounded by crowds of witnesses. God, that there is a family of faith through the millennia of people that have followed you, that we do, ne- we do not stand alone, God, we never stand alone. You say that you will never leave us or forsake us. God, I pray that Katie would know that she is not forsaken, that she is never forgotten, that she is never alone. God, as she has affirmed her faith in you, I pray that you would attest to faith in her, that you would grant her your authority and your name to live out your faith through the faithfulness of Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would empower her with kindness and peace and love, joy, faithfulness, gentleness. God, that you would so fill her up that she would send out your light and your love as someone who can't stop it. God, it just flows and that that would be our prayer. God, that when she is weak, that you would be strong. God, that when she is lonely, that you would be there. That she would see the crowd around her, not just today that are putting hands on her, but the crowd of people that follow you wherever she's at. Certainly here at Restoration, God, but throughout the world. And as your people, God, I pray that we, this would be our prayer, that every time someone confirms their faith, no matter how old they are, when we do it in a few weeks uh, at the lake, God, that we would have a crowd of people praying for us, surrounding us, cheering us on. God, we do not do this alone. May Katie know that she stands with your people in your love for your favor and your faith forever and ever. It's in the authority and the precious name of Jesus we pray. The name above all names and all God's people said, amen.